Hi, this is Steve Thompson, and today we're going to be reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. But before I jump into that, I just want to say a quick prayer. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us again today through these words, even if we've heard it hundreds and thousands of times before? Speak to our hearts fresh today. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Now, if you were able to catch my uh, Sunday message a little while ago on this passage to kick off the Ephesians series, you heard me say that Paul originally wrote these verses, actually verses 3 through 14, and we just read a section of that, as one gigantic sentence. The original listeners would have heard this beautiful, poetic, inspiring stream of praise. But in English, it's kind of ridiculous to put together this unwieldy run-on sentence that has so many concepts and all these huge ideas strung together by conjunctions and participial phrases. We wouldn't know what to do with it. So all of our English translations have chosen to break it up into distinct sentences and concepts, and it just fits how we think and communicate better. But I think it's helpful to remember that we're dealing with an ancient text that communicated so many things in how it was written and read that we modern readers and listeners could miss with a, a translation that we have. One of those things that's going on in this single sentence is Paul's concept of being chosen. Even from before the creation of the world and universe, God determined or predestined for us to be adopted into his family on mission. Paul uses some potentially confusing language here, I think, for our modern ears. Using words like chosen or elected or predestined can sound to us almost fatalistic, as if God was completely determining and orchestrating everything so that humans no longer even have free will, but only some kind of appearance or feeling of free will. But this strays far from Paul's very Eastern and Hebrew context. Throughout all of Scripture, God, the creator of the universe, 
has had a plan in mind to redeem and restore his broken creation, a creation breaking down because of people's free choice to pursue things other than God and not do things God's way. And he will bring the plan that he has to fulfillment with or without our help. Now, he's constantly inviting us, humanity, every individual person into that plan to be a part of it. But us choosing a different path isn't going to derail his plan. Remember, Paul wants us to marvel at this amazing plan that we've been invited into and are now intimate members of because we've said yes to Jesus. Paul wants his words to echo the words of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, so that when we think of chosen people, or historically, the people of Israel, we're thinking of that long story. God chose a group of people to be his instrument of both judgment and blessing or restoration in all of those days and years leading up to Jesus. Now, individual people were invited to belong to this nation, or they could leave and choose their own path and their own gods and their own ways. But chosenness has always been about corporate, not personal, family, not individual. Being chosen related to that family group that God was using and had covenant with, which individuals could opt in or out of. The same is true now in Christ, the one who was chosen before the foundation of the world to have all things brought under his authority. As Steve said yesterday, what's true of Jesus now is true of us. So this redemptive family or community is God's chosen tool by which God is restoring and redeeming all things in Christ. I just want to repeat this so that it's clear, okay? God choosing and predestining always has to do with him using a community or family of people for his plans, not choosing individuals for being in or out of that community or for going to heaven or going to hell. That's not what's being talked about here. God choosing and predestining also always has to do with a task related to his rescue plan, which people are invited into, not a determined plan for each individual person. That's just foreign to the Hebrew scripture. This whole process of how we would go about redeeming and restoring his broken creation was a mystery that he chose to unravel slowly over thousands of years. And now here we are looking in the rearview mirror, hopefully with our jaws on the ground to see the mosaic, the tapestry that God is creating with us, all of us, his broken, imperfect, chosen ones, chosen faith family who have come to be in Christ. Have you ever seen a tapestry? Tapestries are this amazing work of art as all of these beautiful colors and textures of thread are woven together to create an image. But if you're standing behind a tapestry looking, looking at its back, 
you see what it took to make it. And it's a jumbled mess of threads all over the place. It doesn't look like anything but chaos back there. Paul is assuring us that this plan of history that God is weaving has a beautiful, breathtaking outcome that we want to be a part of. Because we are in Christ, he is orchestrating everything for our good and for the good and redemption of everything he's created. This exciting reality should bring life and encouragement and hope to all of us who are just living in the now and really only have the perspective of the backside of the tapestry. But now we're getting a glimpse of the front where we find our identity in Christ and how God has brought us in and adopted us, not as slaves, not as pets, but as his kids. But I want to ask us, Are you looking at just a jumbled, tangled mess right now? Like around you, the circumstances you're in, maybe they're of your own making, maybe they're not, maybe it just feels like everything is conspiring against you and things aren't going well. But if that's what your view is, that the back of the tapestry right now, are you also believing the lie that that's beyond redemption, that there's no hope? There's no way out of this, that it's beyond God's grace, that God's not there. He's somehow not um, showing up for you the way he does for others or the way he does for so many or has historically. It's not. It's not beyond that. You are a part of something so much bigger that God is weaving together. He's taking the good and the bad the ugly and the beautiful, and he's asking to put it all into his hands. He's asking us to leave those things in his hands so that he can weave a redemptive masterpiece. Father God, if we're missing out on that perspective right now, I pray that wherever we're at, whatever we're feeling, that we'd catch a glimpse of how you are orchestrating all of this into a beautiful plan that you had in mind from before things all went wacky and bad. Lord, I pray that you'd meet us here in that moment again to remind us of who we are, how special we are, and that you haven't left us alone in this mess. Thank you so much for reminding us of your mysterious plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.